2: What's going on and welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope this week finds you well. I know everyone's busy with free agency and getting ready for Summer League, but we're going to take a different turn today on the podcast with two great guests. Joining us first is assistant coach Teresa Weatherspoon, Hall of Famer, who uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of the Olympics. Of course, the women will hopefully be playing on Saturday in the gold medal match, but of course we have some gold medalists on our staff as well with Teresa Weatherspoon. And swing cash. We'll get to swing a little bit later, but I wanted to start with Coach Weatherspoon. Coach, how are you today?
0: I'm great. How about
2: yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm dying to talk to you, uh, especially about your Olympic experience. Just watching these Olympics has been really great. Uh, not only just women's and men's basketball, but the 3x3 has uh, certainly been interesting. But I want to take, let's go all the way back to, to 1988 and your first Olympic experience. Of course, that first one is where you won gold. What sticks out to you the most about your first Olympic experience? Well, I,
0: don't, I don't really um, it's just it's, I guess it's just so many things that you could think about when it, you talk about what sticks out is not one thing. It's just um, the excitement of being able to compete for your country. I mean, that, that was the ultimate, uh, for me or well, for women period at that time is to be an Olympian. We didn't have a professional league to look forward to. So to be an Olympian was an incredible dream come true. Um, so, I mean, to even be a part of the the village and being a part of every country and seeing um, uh, everybody and, and and them participating, but it, it's just the excitement of being able to play for your country, um, have that opportunity to put that uniform on with the, and being known as 12 best uh, to to do it. Uh, but it, it's just the excitement to to play for your country is is one thing that you'll always remember.
2: When did it sink in? When did it hit you whether it was opening ceremonies, whether it was the first game um that you all played in pool play? When did it really sink in that you were there in one of the the 12 representing your country in the Olympics?
0: Oh no, that that happened way before you even okay. get to the village because you have to you have to try out, you have to make, you have to make the team. So the moment you're called in behind those closed doors and told that you'll be a part of the team, that's when it sinks in. All the hard work that you put put into to compete against some of the greatest women to play the game, and then you're you're one that's chosen to play. That's when it starts to sink in, and um, uh, it's exciting to hear your name being called and knowing that you're going to be a part of that team. Uh, that's when it sinks in, and then the desire to go and win the gold becomes even greater.
2: When does that process take place? You talked about how it goes all the way back to you know even before your your name is called out there. When does that process take place as far as making the Olympic roster?
0: Cheese. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, um, years of work. It's just years of, that you have to put in. I played on many teams, USA teams before being a part, being an Olympian. And I thought it was necessary. I thought it was important to be a part of uh, USA teams to get a feel for what the international play was like. Uh, so I had a chance to play on World uh, Championship teams, Pan Am teams, Goodwill Games teams. Uh, I had a chance to do that as well before being a part of. Uh, the Olympic team. So that was important. And that that's the entire process is um, those years before the Olympics started. And you're, you're getting the chance to play on different Olymp- uh, USA teams, uh, playing with so many different women on all those teams and really um, gaining the experience and getting ready to possibly be your name being called uh, and as, as an Olympian. And I was fortunate enough to have that, that happen for me.
2: At what point did you realize that that could become a reality that man I am really close to making this olympic team at what point did you think wow I really got a shot at making this thing or, or was there a point in that time
0: no I mean, no you don't you don't think like that you just you just do your work you do your work i don't i don't think we're we going to it and we're like oh what point is this going to be no you go in and you do your work and you 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 compete you just give it everything that you have and and hopefully you know when you uh, just allow those chips to fall where they may uh, that your name is called Um, And that's what I did. I don't I didn't think of it in that way. I just kind of thought about just putting in the work uh, and making sure that, you know, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And then the most important thing, too, is you're fit for what that Olympic team might need. Uh, And and that's an important role, too, to understand is the need of the team uh, to compete against uh, the countries that we were competing against.
2: When you talk about you know how the game has evolved, you mentioned there was no professional you know organization in the United States when you first started playing Olympic basketball in '88, and '92. Of course, the WNBA formed later. Um, what would your how has the game evolved so much in the women's sport from from where you were to how it is now with with the popularity of the WNBA and seeing uh, the U.S. women continue to play so well in international play? How how have you seen this game evolve so much since you were playing in the Olympics?
0: Oh, versatility. It's versatility. It's, it's, it's positionless basketball. Um, it's just the women are extremely athletic, uh, fun to watch. Uh, not saying that we weren't athletic, I mean, uh, and fun to watch. It's just that it, it it's a, um, the versatility of the game has, has changed tremendously. Um, you have um, your bigs who can play outside and your smalls who can play inside. Uh, just a positionless kind of basketball. Um, but it's, it's the level of, of talent and the versatility of the game uh,
2: has changed. Absolutely. When you're talking about you know, the, how you got to, to where you are today and there's little girls out there that are dying to become Olympians or dying to play in the WNBA, what would your message be to them as they maybe watch this gold medal game? Hopefully, as we're taping this, you know, it's not confirmed yet, but if they're going to watch the U.S. go for gold again um, in Tokyo, what would your message to them be trying to get to where you have been and, and where others want to get to?
0: Well, I mean, if that's their desire, you know, I, I don't know the desires of others, but it's the desire to be the best version of yourself every single day. It, it, it's not a sometimey thing. And if that's your desire to become an Olympian, there's work that's involved. There's a, there's a, um, sacrifice that's involved. Um, and that's the one thing you have to keep in mind. It's a huge sacrifice. Uh, there's plenty of, of women who desire to, to, um, be an Olympian, uh, to play for their country, uh, especially here in the United States. And, um, we have so many talented women, but it's about how do you, you, you stick yourself out there to to separate yourself, um, to be seen, to be known, and to um, hopefully have that opportunity. But it's the work that's involved in your desire and your your dedication to it.
2: How many people do you try to keep? I know it's hard to keep in touch with everyone these days, but is there still anyone on that team or on your 92 team that you keep in touch with and sometimes occasionally share some Olympic memories with, or is it kind of just hard to, to keep up with everyone with how busy your schedule is?
0: No, it's not hard. It's just a matter of getting it done. Yep. I mean, we we do have an opportunity to um, speak when we do see each other. It's, it's like we never missed a minute. Uh, but You know, we we talk about many things, not just, you know, our Olympic Olympic experience, you know, we talk about many things of how we can help others to experience what we experienced. Uh, it's not always about um, doing something for yourself and then holding it. We talk about how can we help others do it.
2: How do you do help others? How, so when you are discussing that, how do you help others uh, get to do what you end up doing?
0: It's just a matter of being a part of what they do. I mean, you don't, I mean, it's not like we can pinpoint who wants to do it. It's just whoever we see or whoever asks of, uh, uh, about our experience, we try to be the the best help that we can possibly be. And if we have an opportunity to speak before the crowd or before the group, we do it. I mean, it's all about being as helpful as we can be, to share the experience, to share what it was like for us, and to share what it takes to get there.
2: I'm sure you get this question a lot. Maybe you don't, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Where are your medals? Do you know where they are, your gold and and your bronze?
0: Absolutely. I know where they are. I always know where they are. Tucked away.
2: Tucked away. Gotcha. And some some share with their family. Others, you know, are in a trophy case somewhere. I'm just always curious of where the gold medals go. Um, so I'm glad they're nice and tucked yeah. away somewhere.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Everything Everything that I've ever done, uh, I don't have with me. It's always a part of my family. They're the ones who made a tremendous sacrifice for me to be able to do what I do. Uh, so, of course, I share those with my family. Absolutely.
2: Well, there's certainly a lot of hardware that I'm sure is tucked away with with the credentials Mm -hmm. that you have. And, and look, uh, I really appreciate the time. I know you're really busy with Summer League. And, look, we just wanted to go down memory lane for a second. Really appreciate the time. And best of luck in Vegas for Summer League, Coach. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Go USA. Go USA. All right, from one gold medalist to another, we now welcome in Swin Cash, Vice President of Basketball Operations and Team Development, as she is a two-time gold medalist for Team USA back in 2004 in Athens and 2012 in London. Swin, good afternoon. How are you?
1: Hi, Daniel. happy to be with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is a fun topic to talk about. We just got done talking with Teresa Weatherspoon about her experience in the Olympics. So I kind of wanted to ask you as well, since you are a two-time gold medalist, um, before we get into the process, kind of where does where do your two gold medals stack up as far as your accomplishments? I know you have a ton uh, to talk about between UConn and your and your days in the WNBA, but where does this stack up for you? How proud you are of those two gold medals?
1: Yeah, you know I've never really been into ranking kind of the different achievements, but I think for my family, um, it probably was one of the top uh, moments of my career both times. Um, one because I was so young, the first one. Um, adversity hit, went through a lot of different things, and to be able to fight my way back and to get back on top in 2012 and do it again uh, was definitely phenomenal.
2: Take me back to 2004 um, because it was tough for you um, as far as getting s- selected on the team, going through the training camps. Of course, you were two years removed from being the number two overall pick uh, with the shock. What was going through your mind through that whole process of trying to make Team USA back in 04?
1: Yeah, there wasn't really, um, I guess for me, uh, it just was, you know, how I grew up, um, you're young and you come in and you're like, okay, if I make the team, it's great. But you feel like, you know, I have so many other opportunities throughout my career. Um, if it doesn't happen this time and to, to be able to be named to the team, you know, just two years removed from college, it was just something unbelievable. And to be able to experience that. And at the time, um, You know, we had younger players and I remember, you know, it was the red team versus the white and on the white team, it was, you know, Sue, Diana, uh, Tamika Catchings, myself, Ruth Riley. Um, and sometimes, you know, Yolanda Griffin would be on our side, but we were the the young ones. We were the young guns at that point in time. So to, to, to be able to be on that team and to learn from the Don Staleys, the Tina Thompsons, Lisa Leslie, um, Cheryl Swoops. I mean, that, that was something that really helped me, I think, throughout my career, not only with USA basketball, but also my professional career.
2: You mentioned those names and going through the list of the rosters for both teams. is incredible to see how many talented ladies were on both teams. Was there anyone that kind of took you under their wing as far as getting you through 04 and then even, you know, remain that way kind of through 12, or maybe in 12, you took someone under their wing. Was there any moment like that, you know, trying to go through that at such a young age?
1: Yeah, I think for me, 2004, uh, Tina Thompson was really the one that kind of took myself and also catch underneath her wing and just, being to be able to, you know, able to pour into us and being there for us and explaining how things work and um, just understanding the national stage um, that the platform that we had and the importance of it and winning gold medals and what that was like. And um, like, I owe a lot to Tina Thompson from my USA basketball standpoint, because she really just showed me how to kind of walk that path in in a very professional type of way. And then I think in 2012, um, everyone knew about the adversity and stuff that I had gone through, and to get back on the team again, um, that was a time for me to to be able to be there and and to experience and be one of the older uh, veterans, um, kind of on the team. Uh, that that was a different experience than before. So it's making sure a lot of the first timers, um, looking at you know the Tina is of the world and. Maya Moore's and every all these next generation that was coming through of, of phenomenal athletes and making sure not only they understood the history um, of everything, but also their experience was was fun and it was enjoyable.
2: When did this sink in that you were an Olympian? Whether it was when you found out you made the team in '04, whether it was opening ceremonies, whether it was tip off of the first game, was there a moment that you're like, "Wow, I'm I'm actually here right now"?
1: I think the opening ceremonies is something that's so amazing. It's, (laughs) it's breathtaking. And it also is something that you remember, I think throughout your life and you're able to talk about, because it's the one moment when you have all these different people that have worked so hard to get to this platform and to be involved in the Olympic games, to understand the sacrifice. And it doesn't matter your race, your, um, You know, what country you come from doesn't matter. Uh, Sexuality, none of those things matter. It matters that you are an Olympian, that you're in that moment. You're all kind of on equal footing. Um, And that's the great beauty of sports. And that's what you celebrate. Uh, And I just remember meeting so many cool people. And now, you know, with all this social media, you're able to reconnect with some people that you may have had a conversation with or uh, befriended at the Olympics.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. How many people do you, are you able to keep up with, whether it's from 0-4 or, or 12 or, or both teams? How much you're able to kind of go back and, and share some of those? I'm sure you're still friends with a lot of those uh, teammates throughout the years.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you have relationships, your friendship. Now, for me, even business business friendships, you know, people hit you on LinkedIn and they're like, hey, I'm working here in London. And remember when we met and I was on the rugby and I'm like, oh, okay, got you. And then it's like, uh, you know, this person you met uh, at this point and you just start following and see how life evolves. 2012, like, nobody had kids and now you know we're here in Mm -hmm. 2021 and people are like on instagram and they have their kids or their family members um and so that's the cool part about it like you you come into this thing competing together as olympians you have this commonality and then all of a sudden life continues to happen and you can watch
2: people just grow in the moments and looking back at even the records of these teams going back even beyond 4 and 12, I don't know when the last time Team USA lost a game in Olympic competition. What have you been seeing from not only this team, but teams in the past, and how incredible they're, they're, this team has been their journey through you know, the earlier years with Teresa Weatherspoon and her crew and all the way now where the, the success is, has come year after year in the Olympics. What are you seeing from Team USA just as far as the the culture and how well they've been able to build such a a dominant team each each every four years?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've seen is just the dedication. Um, There's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of pride in playing for Team USA. And you see that, I I feel that, um, whether it's, you know, in our U-17s, 19s coming up through the pipeline, these younger players that are getting involved, you see the pride in USA basketball now with our three-on-three. I mean, there's just a lot that comes with the sacrifice because women, you know, tend to play almost 12 months out of the year. So you have to sacrifice money, you have to sacrifice time to be able to to commit to some of the training and to be a part of USA Basketball. So it's different uh, in that regards than the men. But I would say the two words that come to me is dedication and pride.
2: How much does the Dumby NBA affect it now? Um, when you're talking about when you know when you're drafting a 2 the WNBA wasn't very old and now you're seeing it, you know, 20 years later, how much has the WNBA and the growth of it helped as far as continuing that success with team USA?
1: I think it's helped not only team USA, but I think it's also helped, the. Uh, around the world, all these other teams where you have younger players now that are um, really honing their skill, skills and working on their craft, and you see whether it's team in France, and all of a sudden, here comes Serbia, and then you just, you see Spain, you the normal ones, you're looking at Spain and Australia, but these other countries are really investing in women's basketball and you see the players now that not only plan on the Olympic stage, um, but also playing in the WNBA. So that's, that's the growth of the women's game that I love. And I hope that continue, it continues to happen.
2: A couple more questions for you, Swin. And, and, you know, we're taping this on a, on a Thursday afternoon, but we're hoping that by tonight, you know, USA has advanced to the gold medal game. I don't want to jinx them knocking on wood as we speak, but take me through what is going to go through their minds if they're able to take the stage for a gold medal game, you went through two of them, the nerves the night before when tip-off strikes, what, what's going through your mind in such a, you know, one of the biggest games of your life, you went through two of them.
1: Yeah. I think the one thing is that you don't want to be that team. that's You know, there's such a long streak of winning gold. You You want to keep that, that going. You don't want to be the team that loses, but how you're preparing is that you're preparing to win. Um, I think you're preparing to do all the things that you've worked hard with. Uh, you give a lot of credits to Coach Don Staley. She'll have them prepared and ready. And it's executing the game plan, making sure that um, you and whatever role you play on Team USA, you're doing that to the best of your ability. Whether you're out there on the floor, whether you're on the bench, uh, whether you're in practice pushing the other team, everybody has a significant role. There are 12 women that will be fighting for a gold medal. And you'll be the only 12 in the world that have that. Gold medal, you know what I'm saying for for women's basketball. And you keep that in your mind to be one of twelve. Uh, you have to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And so we always talk about Operation Gold, and I know that's at the front, the forefront of their mind right now. That's Operation Gold, and that's what they went there for. So I know they'll be fighting and scrapping, doing whatever it takes to get that.
2: When I asked Coach Weatherspoon where she keeps her medals, she just said tucked away somewhere. Where are your gold medals? Are they hung up somewhere? Are they tucked <laughs> away? Are they with family? Where? Where are, and you don't have to release, you know, private information, but where, where are those gold medals and how often do you even take them out and just kind of sink in that, you know, those are yours forever?
1: Yeah, it's kind of tucked away somewhere, but as I go down this path of like, you know, women's basketball hall of fame and and all of that coming up, um, you know, we pull things out and hopefully you'll be able to put things on display and be able to see them um, because it's, it's less about me and more about everybody else to help me get there.
2: It's two time gold medalist Swin Cash, of course, vice president of basketball operations and team development here on the Pelicans podcast. Swin, I really appreciate the time. This is a busy time for you all as you're heading to Vegas and getting ready for Summer League. And then we're back at it here in a couple months. Hopefully, I'm going to see you soon instead of these Zoom interviews. And um, best of luck in Vegas with the team.
1: Thank you very much. And looking forward to it and excited about uh, Summer League in this upcoming season with uh, obviously Coach Green um, taking the helm. But uh, as always, go Pels.
2: There she goes. That's Swin Cash, again, Vice President of Basketball Operations and Team Development, taking a few minutes out of her busy time to kind of go down memory lane. A big thanks to Assistant Coach Teresa Weatherspoon. Again, she'll be out in Vegas uh, for action. Again, we'll we'll get back to that next week on Mondays. we'll preview uh, Summer League. We'll start with the Pelicans and the Bulls at 2 p.m. Central on Monday afternoon on ESPN2. Jim off will be back in the fold as we'll go over the roster. And then next week, we'll recap the games as best we can. Um, but hopefully, uh, we'll see some wins from the Pelicans. As the roster was announced yesterday, you can log on to pelicans.com to see who made the cut as far as Summer League roster and who to look out for when it comes to next Monday. And then after that, we'll see when the schedule comes out, when all the free agent signings will be official, and we'll have plenty of coverage for you right here on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app. And also, don't forget, you can download every episode of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast on iTunes. Hope you all have a great weekend. Go team ESA. Enjoy the rest of the Olympics, and we'll talk to you next week for Summer League. Until then, I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelican Podcast presented by SeatGeek.